and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, a podcast aimed at making your quilting life more fun and creative while connecting with quilters just like you. Join the staff of the magazines you love for a great episode filled with tips and tricks. Enjoy! Hello, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. So normally in October, our staff would be heading down to Houston for Quilt Market, which is a trade show for those in the industry. So we would get to see sneak peeks at new fabric lines, products, patterns, and just kind of chat with others about the trends we're seeing and what people seem really excited to buy. But for the second year in a row now, Quilt Market has been canceled because of COVID. Um, so our staff was feeling a little nostalgic about that experience and just kind of being able to gush about things we're loving right now with other quilters. So for this episode, I asked my coworkers to share the thing they're obsessed with now, whether it's a fabric line, a sewing tool, a designer, a pattern, or anything else that comes to mind. And these things may not necessarily be the newest or hottest items on the market, but many of them were new to me type of things that I can't wait to check out more. So let's hear what my coworkers are obsessed with. This is Jody Sanders, editor of American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine. What I'm obsessed with right now is blended textiles. That's where you use fabrics from different eras and combine them into a single quilt. I recently took a class with Mary Kerr and we repurposed vintage textiles and added new fabrics to make a blended quilt. As someone who loves old linens and quilt pieces, I've had so much fun scouring my collections for pieces that I can add to this quilt. I also took an online class with Kelly Klein. Kelly makes pin cushions featuring embroidery, lace, and vintage linens. Kelly takes pieces that otherwise might be discarded because of tears or discoloration and uses the best parts as the centerpiece of her crazy quilted pincushions. To add texture, Kelly embellishes with beads and machine quilts the top and back of the pincushion before assembling these pieces together. Both of these ladies inspire me to honor the past by incorporating it into my present projects. Hi, I'm Allison, and my current obsession is with a fabric designer. We all have those designers whose fabric lines or patterns we love to buy as soon as they come out. There are several people that come to mind when I think of aesthetics that I can't get enough of. A designer that I've recently been obsessed with is Stephanie Slowinski from Fancy That Design House. She is a very talented graphic designer who creates beautiful home goods as well as fabric. She currently has a fabric line out with Moda Fabrics called Songbook, filled with beautiful floral prints. The thing that first drew me to this fabric line was the color palette. It's comprised of navy, red, aqua, and mustardy green. The mustardy green color grabbed my attention immediately because it's so unique. At my local quilt shop, I initially asked for a yard, and when I saw the fabric unfurled on the cutting table, I immediately asked for more. All of the prints are just too good to pass up. 
there's a good mix of dainty florals and some medium scale prints and then some larger florals. In addition to her fabric line, I mentioned that she sells home goods on her website. She has things like art prints, t-shirts, coffee mugs, and more. Many of the products include beautiful typography, something I really appreciate as a fellow graphic designer. What I love most about her designs is the attention to detail. Her passion for creating really shines through everything that she does. I'm so glad that I discovered Fancy That Design House and I can't wait to see what she comes up with next. Hi, I'm Elizabeth, art director for American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine. And right now I am currently obsessed with quilt inspired needlepoint kits from Initial K Studio. Now, if you aren't familiar with Initial K Studio, Christy Schroeder is the creator and she sells the most beautiful modern quilt patterns and needlepoint kits on her online shop. And she is also the author of the Southwest Modern Quilt Book. Now, Christy specializes in modern quilt patterns, and she has transformed some of her most popular patterns into needlepoint projects. The designs are painted onto canvas and ready for you to stitch. The finished projects can then be framed to create beautiful artwork for home decor, or you could stitch them up into finished sewing projects like pillows or bags. The canvas is sold separately, or you can also get it as part of a kit, which comes complete with the canvas, a tapestry needle, planet earth silk fibers, which are just so beautiful, and they match perfectly with the design. The kit also includes a really useful little canvas bag. Now, because the design is already painted onto the canvas, what I really love about it is that you don't have to hassle with transferring the design yourself. And there's no counting involved, like typical with other cross-stitch patterns. You can just pick it up and start stitching. I love that these projects involve both my love for quilting and my love for needlework, and I can't wait to get my hands on one of these to start stitching. The finished designs would make a beautiful addition to a sewing room or as a gift to another quilter. Be sure to visit her website, initialcasestudio.com, to see all of her current kit options and follow her on Instagram for some sneak peeks of her new fall and holiday releases. This is Doris Burnett, editor of Quilt Sampler magazine. My current obsession is cotton lawn fabric, a lightweight, fine weave shirting fabric. I've recently reignited my fondness for sewing garments for myself, and if you've ever worn a blouse made of cotton lawn, you'll understand my appreciation of it. It's soft, lightweight, and drapes beautifully, making it ideal for tops, skirts, or dresses. A lot of fabric companies today offer collections or even parts of their collections printed on lawn. I first discovered it about 15 years ago in a Midwest quilt shop. The owner of the shop carried about a dozen bolts of Liberty Tana lawns. I'd never seen it before and I just could not believe how soft this fabric was. It had such a beautiful hand to it. It's a product of Liberty of London, and sadly, at the time, the cost per yard just didn't fit into my budget, so I reluctantly left the store without any. A lot of quilters use cotton lawns for English paper piecing, or EPP, particularly if you see EPP done in those teeny tiny pieces, like the little uh, 
half inch hexes and that sort of thing. A lot of times it's done with lawn because it is a lighter weight than regular quilting cotton, so it's easy to baste around those um, little shapes. In recent years, I've started collecting smaller pieces of lawn fabrics, including some Liberty Tana lawns, for the purpose of making a scrappy quilt. So, as I cut out garment pattern pieces from the beautiful cotton lawns that I've splurged on bigger pieces of, I save every bit of oddly shaped scraps in my basket of lawn fabric until one day they will make it into a quilt. Hi, I'm Joanna Bergerino, the editor of Quilts and More magazine. My current sewing obsession is actually quite timely because I'm obsessed with sewing Halloween costumes. Growing up, my mom used to sew all my Halloween costumes, but only pretty things because I was terrified of anything spooky or gross looking. We'd spend hours going through character ideas, looking at the pattern books at the local craft store, and, my favorite, going fabric shopping. I usually had the best costume of any of the kids in my class, too. One year I was in grade school, a mother asked if her son, dressed as Disney's Aladdin, could take a picture with me because I had the best Princess Jasmine costume in the whole school. I felt like a celebrity. I'm pretty sure those costumes help inspire my current love of sewing, too. Fast forward to today, and I haven't dressed up for Halloween in years, let alone sewn a costume. However, after spending most of last year in lockdown, I've noticed that this year more and more events are springing up, including a Halloween party that I was invited to. I wasn't going to go in costume, but I saw the pattern lookbooks out, and all those memories came flooding back. I left the craft store with patterns and, well, you know the rest. I was torn between a few historical costumes, like you know medieval, renaissance, and regency-era dresses, but in the end, I grabbed a knockoff fantasy elf costume. Think Lord of the Rings. It's basically a medieval dress that took a lot of historical liberties, like adding chiffon in a train. I must admit, I felt a little silly because I haven't purchased a pattern in a while, and I keep thinking adults dressing up, but... Why not? It's a lot of fun. I did have a little bit of sticker shock. Costume patterns are expensive nowadays, not to mention the pattern called for eight yards of fabric. I mean, I'm barely five foot tall. I can't imagine eight yards of fabric and how that's going to work on a dress that fits me. But whatever, we'll see what happens. Uh, I certainly have been enjoying my trip down memory lane, though, and it's bringing back all of these fond memories of my mom teaching me how to sew and sewing with my mom. I've never done any cosplay before, but I'm starting to see the appeal of combining the sewing hobby you love with a character, time period, or any other interest that you love. Life's been really stressful lately, and this bit of silly escapism has been very relaxing. Turns out playing dress-up is fun at any age. And yes, I still insist that my costumes be pretty and happy things like dresses you can twirl around in. Some things just don't change. Hey, it's Lindsay again. So the thing I'm obsessed with now is a clapper. If you listened to the podcast last week, you heard me mention a clapper from Modern American Vintage that was a product we loved, but I have to sing its praises a little more. We actually featured this clapper in our gift guide for our December magazine, and I was so intrigued by the product that I got one for myself. 
So I have struggled over the years with my blocks not being flat. And part of the problem was how flat my seams were lying and how that in turn kind of affects your overall piecing and how your units align with each other. And I've tried um, different irons, I've done steam or no steam, I've tried starches um, and a wool pressing mat, and I have found a lot of success with these solutions. But I think the last missing piece of the puzzle was a clapper. So this past week I was working on a quilt and I used the clapper for the first time. And after pressing the seams on my wool pressing mat, I moved the unit over to the side to cool and placed the clapper on top. Um, a clapper, the clapper I own is like a weighted wooden tool that lays on your seams to push them down and make them really flat from the front and the back. And holy cow, my blocks were so flat and everything was just sewing together so smoothly. And my seams didn't twist accidentally when I was sewing units together because they were so flat that they just kind of glided through the machine. So it really made sewing easier and I love the way my blocks are looking. Uh, plus the clapper from Modern American Vintage is made from exotic wood and it's available in a lot of different designs and it's so beautiful. So when I'm not using it, it looks like a decorative piece of art in my sewing space, which is just an added bonus. So we'd love to know what our listeners are obsessed with now. So please email me at apqpodcast at meredith.com to share. I always love hearing from you all. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're talking about batting choices and what our designer is working on now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. Now it's time for Sewing Toolbox, a segment where we explore the basic tools you use daily in your sewing room. And today we're chatting about batting. Most of the time I use the exact same batting for every project. I kind of found my favorite and I just stick with it. But then there are times where I walk through a place like uh, maybe Joanne Fabrics and I'm reminded just how many brands and types and colors and lofts of batting there really are. And it can feel very overwhelming. But it also reminds me of just how important batting is in the finished quilt and how using different types of batting can really change the look and feel of the quilt I'm making. So I'm going to share about five types of batting and maybe it'll inspire you to branch out or explore the batting aisle for your next project. So the first batting I want to talk about is the 100% cotton type. So this is most used for many quilt projects. Um, it's soft, it's drapeable, um, and these natural cotton fibers just breathe really well. 
Cotton batting does shrink when it's washed, so it gives the quilt a puckered appearance, which I personally really love. Um, it's available at most places. It's fairly economical to buy. Um, and this is the type I use most often. I might either buy like a natural color or if I'm using white fabric for the background, I'll buy a white color batting. So the next batting is insulated batting. And this is best for food related quilting projects, um, which I find I make much more of during the holidays. So I wanted to mention it. So it has polyester fibers that are needle punched into a mylar layer to create a heat resistant batting. Um, in projects, you'll often find insulated batting paired with a layer of cotton batting. Um, and those double layers just protect hands from hot dishes. Um, they can be casserole carriers or pot holders. Um, actually, a few years ago, I even made a holiday table runner with insulated batting so that I could just set my hot dishes right on the table runner when I'm serving my holiday meal to avoid needing all of the pot holders for, um, or serving dishes. The third type of batting is a cotton polyester blend. Um, many quilters use this in their projects too. So it combines a natural cotton and a synthetic polyester, which provides kind of the breathability of cotton and the durability of polyester. It has really good drape um, and it shrinks less than your 100% cotton batting. Um, you can find it in most places, it's cheaper to buy. And it's kind of a personal preference whether you like that 100% cotton or if you like a, poly, a cotton poly blend. And it may all come down to whether you like the puckered look in a quilt after washing or not. So for instance, you may want wall quilts or table runners to look pristine with no shrinking. Um, so you'll use maybe a cotton or polyester blend. And uh, but you may want your throw quilts and bed quilts to have that little pucker and be really soft with the 100% cotton batting. So it's really all in what you're looking for. The next type of batting is wool batting. So this is best for extra warm and cuddly quilts. So it's batting made from fibers of different breeds of sheep. Um, it's soft, it's drapeable, it's very warm. Um, and because it's wool, it comes pre-shrunk. So it's a really great choice for hand and machine quilters. Um, and many quilters actually layer wool batting and then a thin cotton or cotton poly blend together when they're quilting because it really helps your stitches pop off the quilt and get really dense and um, kind of textural quilting. Wool batting can also be pretty expensive though, so it's not something you would do for just every quilt you're making. And the last type of batting I wanted to mention is black batting. And this is best for your dark color quilt tops, especially if you're using black fabrics. So some battings will actually beard, which means that the fibers kind of migrate through the quilt top. Um, so using a black batting with a dark color quilt top will make the bearding less noticeable on your dark quilts. So this is just a quick overview of some common types of battings. Um, now many of these battings have different lofts, there's adhesive options, um, different colors available, 
they have different suggested distance between your quilting lines and kind of more options. So we actually have a great guide on our website that we'll link to in our show notes that explores some of these characteristics a little more. So when you go to the batting aisle, you are feeling a little more confident in your choices. Um, so we'll link to that in the show notes. Okay, now I'm handing the mic over to Allison Gam, the designer of Quilts and More, for what's on your workspace. So take it away, Allison. For the past couple of years, I've been focusing on using mostly fabrics from my stash rather than buying all new for a project. I've purchased so many fun fabrics since I started quilting and the bins that I store them in are bursting at the seams. I don't have anywhere else to store fabric, which forces me in a good way to not buy fabric that I don't have immediate plans to use. By going through this process of pulling from my stash, I've ended up making some really fun scrappy quilts. I recently noticed that the bin where my pink fabrics are stored couldn't possibly hold another piece of fabric. I knew I wanted to make a scrappy quilt using those pinks, but I hadn't found quite the right pattern yet. One of my followers on Instagram recommended I use the pattern Cozy Cabin by Modernly Morgan. It wasn't a pattern I was familiar with, but as soon as I looked it up, I knew it was the perfect pattern for this project. The pattern lends itself well to scrappy fabrics because of all the log cabin strips. To start this project, I sorted through my pink fabric bin and pulled out small pieces. I wanted to be able to use up smaller scraps and remnants as best as possible to help empty out the bin. From there, I moved on to other small cuts such as fat eighths and fat quarters, rather than selecting from yardage. I made sure not to pull any fabrics that I wasn't ready to cut into and might want to save for a different project. Within the fabrics that I pulled, I selected a wide variety of pinks, such as coral, peach, pastel, cranberry, and more. I have to admit, <laughs> the first cranberry piece I pulled, I thought it was way too strong and would stick out like a sore thumb. However, by adding more pieces with darker shades, that color didn't look so out of place. I found that when it comes to scrappy quilts, the more variety of fabrics you pull, the better overall look of the quilt will be. Once I started cutting, I didn't keep track of how many pieces I had accumulated. I knew I wanted to make a throw size quilt, but since I was using so many different sizes of fabrics to begin with, it'd just be too much of a hassle for me to track where I was at on the pattern's cutting instructions. I cut basically until I ran out of fabric that I initially pulled with the idea that I could cut more from my stash in the future if I needed more pieces. After randomly pairing up pieces for each block, I started sewing. The blocks in the quilt are so fun and quick to put together. So far, I've pieced probably around 15 blocks and still have a stack waiting to be sewn. I'm looking forward to seeing the finished quilt because I love how it's turning out so far. Thanks, Allison. We'll link to that pattern and Allison's Instagram in our show notes so that you can check it out more. This pattern was on my list to make too, so it's such a good one. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're chatting with a local quilt shop. Welcome back. 
Now I'm handing the mic over to Doris for Love Your Local Quilt Shop, a segment where we highlight the amazing ways quilt shops are helping their communities. Take it away, Doris. Hi, this is Doris Burnett, editor of Quilt Sampler Magazine with another installment of Love Your Local Quilt Shop. Today I'm talking with Roseanne Cook, owner of Quilters Emporium in Stafford, Texas. Welcome, Roseanne. I'm happy to have you with me and the opportunity to chat with you. Thank you, Doris. Quilters Emporium first opened in 2004, and in fall 2010, your shop was featured in Quilt Sampler Magazine. Can you tell us a bit about um, the Quilters Emporium story? Yes, thank you. Um, I started quilting really right out of high school um, in 2000 something or other. Uh, no, actually it was 1974. And my first quilt was with double knit fabric of all things, uh, a pair of scissors and some templates, and it was awful. And I'm sure it's in a landfill somewhere trying to biodegrade, but that's <laughs> never going to happen. Um, and so I gave up quilting really, really fast after that. Um, until I got married in 1989. And my husband and I took a day trip to Old Town Spring, which is a little village north of Houston. And I walked into a quilt shop and there on the wall was this quilt top that said, make this in one day. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. I was so excited. <laughs> so I signed up for the class with a girlfriend of mine. And uh, we took the class. And of course you go to the class with your fabric all pre-cut. And by golly, we made that in one day. It was a long day, but it was a day. And it turned out to be a quilt in a day pattern, which, you know, kudos to Ms. Burns. Um, but it, it got me hooked. Um, and so I knew then that I wanted to go ahead and, and continue quilting, which we did. Um, speed ahead to 2003, um, one of my girlfriends called me one evening. She said, so-and-so's quilt shop is for sale. And... I worked at a, at the time I was working at St. Agnes Academy, which was um, college prep high school uh, in the Houston area. And, um, and I was getting kind of burned out. You know, I was head of IT and I needed something different. You know, at that time, you know, 1,200 girls with laptops and you have three people, it was just a bit much. And so I was looking for something different. And so I went to my husband, I said, so-and-so's quilt shop is for sale. And what do you think? And he said, well, I'll tell you what, let's talk about it after my birthday. And his birthday was the next day. And so <laughs> I thought it was a very nice, polite way of saying no. <laughs> so day after his birthday, he came to me and he said, go ahead and make her an offer. And I thought, oh my God, be still my heart. So I went to her, made her an offer. She took my first offer. And I thought I either did something really good or really stupid. And I had no idea which for a little while, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to make a go of this. So um, he's been very supportful the whole time. Um, you know, I got to support him as he was writing his plays. And so he helped me with the shop. It was just wonderful. So we did very, very well. Um, moved to a new location right off the Southwest freeway in Houston. And uh, we've been there ever since. And um, soon after, well, in 2009, I had a wild hair and I thought, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and try out for Sampler Magazine. And, but the deadline was like two days from when I got the idea. And so I did something up really fast and by golly, I got in it the first try and I thought, how often does that ever happen? So I felt very, very lucky and it was just, it's been a blur ever since. It was just the best thing ever for us. That's awesome. And it doesn't happen very often that you get in on your first 
try <laughs> entry, especially wow. if shop in Texas, because there's so many shops in Texas that we tend to get a lot of oh. nominations from there. So um, yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely. 2010 uh, feature in the fall 2020 10 issue is, um, is really great to read through. I love your story. And what a supportive husband. That's awesome. <laughs> he jumped right on that. Um, well, you know, he, I think he always felt a little guilty that he could walk from our bedroom down the hall to his office and go to work every day. And I had to go out. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think it made it to room to follow your dream. Right. Right. Uh, you've made an right. effort to support your local community since the beginning, right? Yes. And um, was the holiday gift bags for seniors that project the first one? It was. Um, actually, it started before I owned the quilt shop. Uh, my father had a, a suffered a head injury right after um, uh, 2000. Um, actually, he was so excited to make it to the, you know, 2000. Um, and really, a day or two after that, he fell down, suffered a head injury, and he was never the same. It was, it was sad. Um, so we finally had to put him into a nursing home. And that first December for the holiday um, event, uh, my sisters and I were there, and of course my husband were there with him um, celebrating Christmas, and we were having lunch, and he got cold. And so I told him I would go to his room and get his sweater, and I'd be right back. So as I was walking down the hallways, in, in the room that we were in was full of people with families and their, the residents of the nursing home. But I didn't realize how many more people were still in their rooms alone because their families couldn't be with them. Um, maybe that wasn't the day that they were celebrating or they just had no friends or family left um, to be there to celebrate the event with them, the holiday with them. And um, that really got to me. And by the time I got to the end of the hall, which is where my father's room was, I was doing a pitchful bit of of ugly crying. It was just, I, I was so upset, so upset. So it took me a while to get my composure and get his sweater and go back to the room and, and go back to the, uh, the room where everybody was celebrating. On the way home, uh, I told my husband about this and I said, I felt really, really guilty that so many other people didn't have anything to celebrate with. And I thought, let's do something for the next year. The next year, I brought it to the attention of the girls at St. Agnes and um, thinking that we would just have enough gifts for people on his wing. You know, this was a small rural nursing home um, and none of these girls would have any relations in this little rural nursing home. Um, but I thought, you know, if we could just get a little something to give to just the few people that are around, you know, that would make me feel better. Well, when I went to the school, on the pickup day, the halls were full of wonderful, wonderful bags of gifts, and I was overwhelmed. Wow. So we were, that first year, we were able to provide a gift for over three nursing homes, which was probably two or 300 residents at the time. I was thrilled. So it grew the next year. I thought, well, this is, this is fun. We need to do this. So we, we continued to do it eventually for 15, 16 years. Um, Towards the end, when we stopped, we were providing 1,500 gifts for um, each year for nursing homes. And, small, and these are, again, small rural nursing homes where most people would forget about them. Um, 
we provided gifts for, I think, anywhere between 13 nursing homes to 10, you know, so some of them are larger, some of them are smaller, but they all would be places that really didn't have a, a group adopting them to help them with this, with this event. So it, it turned out to be a wonderful, wonderful thing. My husband loved it. Right. That's awesome. And oh yeah, have, would definitely make you feel good during the holidays to do something like that for the elder. Oh, it, it was, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work, but it was wonderful. Oh, I bet. it's such a heartwarming story and something you Thank you. that really doesn't have anything to do with sewing or selling fabric and notions. It was just something you did out of the goodness of your heart, saw a need and did that. Um, it's a way to well, impact your community with a segment of the population that's often overlooked. Right. Um, the one thing I did appreciate about this, when I left St. Agnes to open up my store, my customers picked up on that and continued on through the whole time. It was, it was something that um, even though I didn't have all those students, the, the quilters, you know, quilters have just the biggest hearts and they picked up on this right away. They just carried it through for the rest of the, the 15, 16 years that we were doing it. It was wonderful. Yeah, that's awesome. And then I know you had told me a story before too about um, that some of your, doing something for your customers that um, have lost their husbands and that, that you tend to do um, things for them around the holidays with a potluck dinner? Right. Um, you know, as years go on, you know, we become very, very close to our customers. And, um, you know, you know them by first names, you know about their children, you know about their spouses, you know their vacations and such. And, and as people lose their spouses, um, you know, I, and we know that their family might not be close by. Um, I know that they're probably sitting in their homes by themselves, um, you know, with nobody to share a meal with. And so that was something that I wanted to try to do is to invite them to the shop for a potluck. Um, it's hard to do at Christmas time, but, you know, at Easter, you know, times like that where it may not be a you know, might not have as many opportunities. We thought we would try to do something where we would provide, you know, the main part of the meal and everybody do a potluck. And that turned out to be very, very welcoming to a lot of our customers. So it was, it was a lot of fun and, you know, little games that we could do, um, maybe a little parting gift. Um, but it was, it was always a lot of fun when we would do this. Uh, of course, COVID kind of interrupted um, interrupted that, but um, sure. you know, it is always nice to remember them for, you know, just so that they're not alone. You know, I really worry about uh, people being alone, especially during COVID nowadays, you know, and so I always encourage people, you know, pick up that, that phone list at the Quilt Guild, you know, and call some of these people and say, how are you doing? You know, see, you know, don't let anybody, just because you haven't heard from them doesn't mean that things are going well. And you have that Guild directory, you know, take that, use that, and you know, use the phone committee to call um, to just touch base with people and make sure that they're okay. Yeah, that's something we've definitely learned in this last year and a half is um, the importance of making sure that people aren't isolated because we've all felt isolation on some some level. So, but that's such a great idea, and anyone who's spent a holiday alone knows the value of being included by somebody. So, I think that's great. And you and I share Absolutely. a thought for critters as well and animal rescues. Um, 
our listeners can only hear us, but we can see each other on the screen as we're recording this. And um, my dog made an appearance not too long ago. Um, but Quilters Emporium <laughs> had a, is kind of known for a furry shop mascot that had gained a bit of fame in the quilting community and even had his own fabric line. Um, tell us about Joey. Well, um, I, you're right. I've always had a soft spot for uh, soft spot for for dogs, particularly. And um, I was at the SPCA um, one day. Uh, I had heard from a friend of mine that said that there this little dog had come in and he was in surgery. And she said, "You really need to come and see this dog." And I thought, okay. I had no idea what was going on, but I was out in the car anyway, so I made it over to um, the building and um, Joey had come out of surgery. He had this little patch over his eyes. He was just a little bitty thing. You could fit in the palm of your hand. He was a little multi-poo. Um, and I, I never made a connection as to what happened to his eye. I don't know whether it was a bulging eye or whatever that caused it to have to be removed, but apparently he was found on the side of the road um, abandoned and someone picked him up, took him to the SBCA. They did the surgery and they were looking for a home for him. Um, I jumped on it, you know, I didn't even call my husband. Um, <laughs> and I took Joey to my vet and um, uh, she said um, that Joey had distemper and that he probably wasn't going to live. And I, my heart just sank, my heart just sank because I was deep in love with this dog from the time I left the SPCA to go to my vet's office. Mm -hmm. So uh, I said, what do we do? What do we do? And so she told me, you know, we treat the symptoms, do this or that. Um, and Joey did survive. But I guess four or five months after that, he started having seizures. And um, so he had a seizure disorder for the rest of his life. Um, he was on potassium bromide and phenobarbital um, all during that time. You know, of course, the doses go up as he ages. Um, but he became a fixture at the shop. And so he would lay on the bed. He, because he had the phenobarbital in the system, he wasn't really fully on Joey all the time. You know, he was really kind of a calm dog because of the medication. And so everybody fell in love with Joey. We had customers that would only come in during Joey days. Um, we had, he would write a little article um, in our weekly newsletter, you know, Joey the shop dog. And so he would say things about what's going on in Joey's life from his little perspective, um, you know, what's going on at the house, what's going on at the shop. Um, you know, it was just, you know, and a lot of times if customers would find a stray dog or something, Joey would say, hey guys, I've got this pal who needs a home and all the dogs and few cats were adopted out. So I thought, good dog, good job, dog. And so <laughs> anyway, it worked out really, really well. And I had boo scoodles of photographs of Joey. We would have customers say that they would look in our newsletter for Joey's article first before they would look at anything else at the shop. Now that hurt my feelings, but you know what? <laughs> Joey did a good thing. So. <laughs> but anyway, so I, I, when, after we got into uh, Sampler, um, I went to, I designed fabric for BNB for a period of time. And then I went to Bannertex. And as I was showing them the fabric, the, the, the drawings and, and the images that I wanted to use in a collection, I, st I came across Joey's picture and, um, and I said, well, and this is my dog, uh, one of my dogs, Joey. And I said, he's our chop mascot. And I said, you guys have got to do something about Joey, but here's the fabric that I want to show you. Well, <laughs> they jumped on the Joey story 
like crazy. It was absolutely wonderful. Um, the byline for his collection was you don't have to be perfect to be loved. And I absolutely loved that because he wasn't perfect, but boy, he should sure did look it. Um, and so that was how his fabric collection came across. It was just a, a, a fun, fun time for him. Yeah. I, I never met Joey, but I do remember seeing his image on fabric at quilt market. <laughs> so you found a pretty good so way cute. to share his story and the needs of animals and rescue. That's he, awesome. Well, he was such a great little guy. He passed away September of 2019. And a lot of my customers contributed to name a kennel at a new camo rescue uh, facility that's building that's being built in Magnolia. As a matter of fact, they're opening this month. And so they contributed the money to dedicate a, a kennel for him. And then we, you know, people were buying bricks on their patio for, uh, for Joey. So it was wonderful. He touched a, an awful lot of people that I, I really never knew. Um, and when he died, we received tons of emails and sympathy cards. It was really very, very heartening and very humbling. So it, he was a good kid, a good little yeah, dog. That is touching because we, we know those of us who love our dogs, uh, those are our babies. So they're definitely part of the family. Absolutely. <laughs> and you Absolutely. have rescues now, right? That are kind of carrying on in Joey's footsteps. I do. I do. I have um, Bailey, who was actually tied to, tied to a chain link fence outside of uh, Houston Animal Control. It was two years ago, and he was, uh, it, the temperatures were over 100 degrees. He was skin and bones, and someone tied him, and he was hiding behind, the, uh, behind a, a bush or something. And so somebody, he, was, he had collapsed, and someone had taken him into animal control, they gave him fluids, and that's kind of what saved his life. So we adopted him. He was our first adoption um, after the Joey bunch. Um, so we have um, uh, Bailey, we have Eddie, who was found at the end of our street. He was another stray. Um, we have Joni, who is a uh, a piece of glue that's called a dog who stays with me all the time. She, she's on the other side of the door. I could hear her sniffing. Um, so she's a little poodle. And then we have Katie No. Um, so Katie, Katie's name is really Katie, but we call her Katie No because she gets into everything. She is such a puppy. She is everywhere all the time. The world is all about Katie. So, <laughs> so we have the four, right? They're all rescues. That's great. Uh, and I know besides these amazing community service efforts that you've told us about that you have sewing angels, just like every quilt shop that happily sew for others in need. Um, tell me a little bit about the things that they've done. Well, you know, we have several groups that have um, worked at the shop. Of course, we were always a Kalinas, a Linus collection point. Um, and then we participated in the pillowcase challenge. And Karen Humphrey and Barbara Massey uh, were the quilters who really spearheaded that. And our shop um, donated uh, over 18,428 pillowcases over the, that tenure, which I am so proud. That's a, that's a really sizable number. But Susan Merkel runs our current charity angels. And... You know, of course, everybody was making masks, you know, for sheriffs and police and hospitals and hospices and everything over the past few years. And of course, they make quilts for various organizations. But one particular group that came on our radar very recently was this man who was making beds out of lumber. Um, so obviously, they weren't fine art, they weren't carved or anything, but they're just very simple 
beds, you know, get mattresses off the floor. He would go and buy mattresses and the linens uh, and donate them to charity for children who have never had the privilege of sleeping in a bed before. And I never really thought about, but you know what? It is a privilege to be able to sleep in a bed. Um, Things that we take for granted every single day. And so um, the group and the charity angels are making quilts for these children. And so I think that's so valuable that things that we take for granted and this man was doing this out of his own pocket um, and we thought we would go ahead and help by uh, making these quilts for the children which I think is a wonderful wonderful thing they work so hard on that project it's such a dignity of, of experience exactly yeah and like you said it's definitely a privilege and something that we those of us who have never um, had to worry about where we were going to lay our head at night um, that's something that we don't even think about so that's, that's exactly cool. exactly great so oh. apparently he saw a need at some point you know I, and i don't know where that need was but he saw it and he decided to address it and we thought we're not going to build the mattresses you know we're not going to build the beds but you know we can go ahead and do this for you to make it even more special for those kids right so, you know what we can do to contribute that's awesome yeah. wow um now i know that you have um a pattern company also that you uh, have, I remember it being mentioned in your quilt sampler, um, article. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, we, um, I, I design for my own company. It's called Sisters Patterns. And, um, as a shop owner, um, I see, you know, I displaced fat quarter bundles. Um, and when I was designing fabric, you know, I made fat quarter bundles out of my fabric. Um, sometimes people, the, the fat quarter bundles get so large that they become cost prohibitive. And um, I needed a way for me to entice people to actually buy the fat quarter bundle. Um, because as a consumer, before I became a shop owner, I realized that yes, it is a sizable investment for many people. Um, and when we, when I would actually make the quilt, it would frustrate me to no end to realize that I needed that fat quarter only to cut a two inch square out of it. And I know as a designer, you know, they probably needed to put every single fabric in there to show the whole line, but you know, it could have been made simpler. And so as a consumer, it was very, very frustrating for me. So on the shop owner's side, I realized, you know what, what can I do to fix this? So what I came up with is, what I call the sister's patterns. So each sister's pattern on the cover, there's going to be a medallion that has the percentage of each fat quarter that's needed and the number of fat quarters to make that project. So in our best-selling pattern, uh, Antique Four Corners, um, it, it uses 50% of a fat quarter bundle and the fat quarter bundle can, um, can contain 32 fat quarters. And so when you look at the companion patterns, um, they will have the same medallion and the, pa- the quilt that we made with that particular quilt for festival, I mean, for uh, market that year, um, it was a quilt called uh, Cracker Jack. Cracker Jack required only 48% of a fat quarter bundle. So you're left with very little fabric to feed a stash, which is great. You use up both both parts of the fat quarter. And if you loved a fat quarter bundle well enough to buy it, you should be able to make at least one or two projects out of it and use it up. Um, 
So that turned out to be really good. So the consumer knows. They go in, they look at the medallions, and if the percentages on the patterns that they choose, if it's 100% or less, they're guaranteed to know that they can make those two projects. Now, that doesn't include binding, uh, backgrounds, things like that. But for the blocks in general, they should know that they have enough of the fact quarters to make it. So we say that they share the same fabric DNA. Um, and uh, it turns out really, really well. And it's been very, very popular for us. So yeah, those are my sister's patterns. That's great. Are those available online? They are available on our website. Okay, that's good to know. That's a really great idea. I love that. And I love that shared DNA. That's a good way. <laughs> good way of it. Love it. <laughs> well, Roseanne, I want to thank you for sharing all of this with me today and have, taking the time to meet with me. All of us here at American Patchwork and Quilting wish you and your employees and your rescue pups great success this coming year. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. If you'd like to visit Quilters Emporium online or find out more about their shop and service efforts, their website is quiltersemporium.com. Thanks so much, Doris and Roseanne. I think you can really tell how much passion Roseanne has for her job and just helping those around her. She has a very caring heart, and I just loved hearing her share her story. So we'll link to the website and social media sites in our show notes so that you can connect with her more and help support her store. And just a reminder before we leave that we do have a one-year subscription of American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine available at 60% off. This deal's just for our podcast subscribers, and it means that a year-long subscription is just $5.99, which is a dollar an issue, which is so amazing. So we really would encourage you to visit the show notes and click on the special link. It'll take you right to the page that already has the discount applied. Um, and it would make really great gifts for any sewing friends in your life too. Um, it's just a really easy way to support the work we're doing at the magazine and the podcast. And of course, you get the great magazines and patterns and content out of it. So thanks for considering subscribing. It really helps us. Everyone have a great week. Hi, all, and thanks for listening. Keep in touch. American Patchwork and Quilting is on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram at All People Quilt. Email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast. And if you love the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week. Thank you.